This is 20 Pages a Week, where together you and I will read all the way through the Bible in a year. I'm Hal Hammonds, and I'm here to help. I'll supply one story that grabbed my attention, one verse I found particularly interesting, and one word that I couldn't get out of my mind. The rest is up to you. This is Quarter 1, Lesson 13. The reading is Second Chronicles. We'll start with my first impressions. This year, as I go through the text, I am highlighting all of the mentions of God. I've noticed that some terms pop up and perpetuate themselves as we go through the text, as though different ways of referring to God become more popular in certain periods of history. In Chronicles, we were seeing a lot of the phrase, Lord God of your fathers, or Lord God of their fathers. I find that especially interesting in the context of Ezra, who is generally given credit for putting the final copy of First and Second Chronicles together. Ezra is helping rebuild a nation that has lost its way and is trying to find its way back. And in First and Second Chronicles, we see especially that that way back connects to the fathers. Finding your way back to David, finding your way back to Moses, finding your way back to Abraham. And the way that happens is by remembering what made the great ones great. You'll notice that Chronicles de-emphasizes, to a certain degree at least, the failures of the great ones. In First Chronicles, David's failures were largely ignored. In Second Chronicles, Solomon's failures are completely ignored. That's not to whitewash the past. That's to emphasize what made a successful time successful. We were great once. We can be great again if we remember what made us great in the first place. One of the negative stories that is preserved for us in Second Chronicles is in chapter 16, where a good king, a great king really, Asa, finds himself at war with his brethren to the north, the tribes that are referred to collectively as Israel most of the time. Fortifications are being built in Ramah, obviously in preparation for an extended campaign against Judah. And Asa decides to make an alliance with Aram, or Syria, depending on your translation. He sends to Ben-Hadad, the king, makes an alliance with him. The thinking being, if Aram can trouble Israel in the north, Israel won't have the wherewithal to conduct campaigns in the south. And at least in the short term, the plan works. To such an extent, even, that Asa is able to go to Ramah and take all the fortifications that were being built by Israel to use against Judah, and use them to defend his own cities. Mission accomplished. Except Hanani, the prophet, comes to him in verse number 7 and tells him the error of his ways. It's not that it's a bad plan so much. It's that the plan was not God's plan. And the plan showed a lack of regard, a lack of trust in the God of heaven. Asa has seen with his own eyes, as Hanani reminds him, that God will be with him when he is with God. Back in chapter 15, Azariah the son of Oded spoke to Asa and said, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. And if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Well, that's what Asa has done here. Maybe not deliberately, but nevertheless, he has forsaken God. He is trusting in himself instead of trusting in God. This is not just about getting the job done in the short term. This is about building a spirit in the nation of confidence, of trust, 
of faith. It'd probably be a little less complicated if God made us fail every time we took a wrong step. But as it happens, it doesn't work that way. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 11 talks about a delusion of error that God sends to his people sometimes so that they will believe a lie. I can't adequately explain exactly why God does that or how often he does it or whether a particular lie is being told to you at any given time. But what we do know is what seems right in the moment, what God lets us get away with, is not necessarily his plan for our life. And this delusion of error works in us to the point where we continue to trust in ourselves as God continues to give us enough rope to hang ourselves. And in the end, we wind up with no faith at all, which seems to have been the case even with the great King Asa. The text goes on to say in verse number 12 that Asa became diseased in his feet, and instead of trusting in God, going to prophets, he went to doctors, he went to physicians to try to find some kind of healing for his malady. Doctors are fine. Alliances, as far as that goes, are fine, as long as our primary confidence is in God. And Asa had lost that confidence. We need to be teaching ourselves in every conflict. Our first response, and ultimately our only response, is to go to God. He is the one who is worthy of our trust. He is the one who will deliver us in his way and in his time. It may not be in such a way as to gratify ourselves or make us to be the hero of the story. But then that was never really the point, was it? I'll draw your attention to chapter 9 and verse 8, which reads, Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on his throne as king for the Lord your God, because your God loved Israel, establishing them forever. Therefore he made you king over them to do justice and righteousness. These are the words of the Queen of Sheba, who came to visit Solomon and saw all of his wonder, heard his words of wisdom, and was thoroughly impressed all the way around. This idea of blessing God is an interesting construction. We usually think about it the other way around, God blessing us. But it's actually quite common in the Old Testament, especially in the Psalms. Blessed be the Lord, blessed be the Lord God of Jacob, etc., The idea being that we are not making God any greater than he already is, of course, but rather that we are making him appear greater than he appears in the eyes of the unlearned. Sometimes we use the word magnify. When we magnify God, we are not making him bigger in a literal sense any more than a microscope magnifies a piece of whatnot that's under the slide. No, we are only making him appear bigger than he appears to the naked eye. That's our job as Christians, to magnify the Lord, to make him big in the eyes of our neighbors, as clearly Solomon had done with the Queen of Sheba. She is saying here, your God must be a glorious God if he's able to give you this wisdom, if he's able to give you this power, this success in material things. Surely this is a great, great God. It's easy to put Jesus in this verse, that God is seen as great and glorious because he has done this with Jesus, that he has made him King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He has established his spiritual nation and established Jesus as king over that spiritual nation and guaranteed its success because of the greatness of its king. But I kind of like to see this as a personal thing also. Now, I'm not a king in a literal sense, and I suspect you aren't either. But there is a sense that we as Christians are made to reign with Jesus in this life and in the next life. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could say that God is made glorious because of the wonderful things that he has done in our lives. 
He has built us up. He has strengthened us. He has changed us in such a profound and obvious way that people look at us and they're made to glorify God. Truly, blessed be the Lord, our God. I think of the word after a lot with regard to this part of Israel's history. We touched on this already with the life of Asa. Look at chapter 20 and verse number 35. After this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, allied himself with Isaiah, king of Israel. He acted wickedly in so doing. And this isn't the first time, of course, that Jehoshaphat made an overture toward the house of Ahab. And it wasn't the first time he was condemned for it either. Jehoshaphat's a great king, like Asa was, his father. And yet, after all this success that God gave him, he went in the direction God didn't want him to go. We see it again in chapter 24 and verse number 17 with regard to King Joash. Joash is most known probably for being this young child that was put on the throne against the opposition of his grandmother. Jehoiada the priest put Joash in place when he was seven years old. And as long as Jehoiada was there looking over his shoulder, Joash did great. But we find in verse number 17 of chapter 24, But after the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and bowed to the king, and the king listened to them. They abandoned the house of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and served the ashram and the idols. So wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for their guilt. Again in chapter 25 and verse number 14, Amaziah had been given a great deal of success by God. And then we read, now after Amaziah came from slaughtering the Edomites, he brought the gods of the sons of Seir, set them up as his gods, bowed down before them, and burned incense to them. Why would he worship the gods of a nation that he had just conquered? It's difficult to explain. But what we do see here is a very distinct pattern of great kings, or at the very least good kings, who trusted in God and whom God blessed tremendously, and then went in their own way went the way of idols in their later days. That's very much a cautionary tale for us, for people who have lived years in service of the God of heaven and whom God has given a great deal of success to. Let's not rest on our laurels. Don't allow the success that God has brought you in your walk with Christ to make you complacent, to take things for granted, and to abandon the principles and the values that brought you to where you are. Continue to build your faith. Continue to trust in God. Allow faith to build instead of to deteriorate. And I assure you that's not going to happen on accident. Thanks for listening to 20 Pages a Week. Please don't hesitate to reach out with your stories about your trip through the Bible this year. I'd love to hear from you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with your friends. And check out my other podcast, Citizen of Heaven. I'll see you next week. We'll be reading Ezra beginning quarter number two. God bless and keep reading.